Sacred Space. So welcome back again to the second part of Sacred Space in West Limit 102. Again, my name is John Keeley. Uh, John is studio here by Bishop Donald. We've got Anne Shane's on the other end of the telephone. And we've got the lady who, who, who's working for the Lord so much these days, we can't catch up with her, but it's <laughs> lovely to have you inside the studio for this little while. Good morning to you, Lorraine. How are you? Good morning, John. Good morning, listeners. I'm very well, thank you. You've got your breath back. I do indeed. Fair dues to you. Well, between uh, yourself and Shane uh, and Bishop Donald this morning, I think you're going to talk to us about conscience. Yes, we are indeed. And we're going to start with a very simple question for Bishop Donald. What is conscience? I thought you said a simple question. (laughs) 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 It's not a simple question at all. No, it isn't, of course. Um, And and part of the problem is I think that people don't really understand what conscience is. Mm Mm-hmm. Conscience is really what's deepest in me. Mm-hmm. In, in the Second Vatican Council said that when we really go into the depths of ourselves, we meet God. Mm-hmm. And we decide our own destiny. Wow. So that in a sense, every time we, we, we exercise our conscience, we're, we're responding to God. And... You know, people often talk as if it was just, uh, you know, this is my opinion and that's mm-hmm. what I'll do. It, mm-hmm. it, it requires reflection. Mm-hmm. It requires trying to tease out, if you like, what's involved in any particular decision and to tease it out in a, in a way which actually responds to the gift that God offers us. Sure. And in one sense, then, we're, we're kind of doing that all the time mm-hmm. with, with all our moral actions. Exactly. We're, yeah. Whether we're doing it consciously or unconsciously, mm. we're listening to our conscience. Yes, exactly. And, uh, you know, it's a kind of a judgment that we make having, having opened our minds and our mm-hmm. hearts to, mm-hmm. to the reality, to the other people who are affected, to the issues that are facing us and so on. Sure, because for an act to be morally good, the action mm. itself has to be good and the intention has to be good. Yes. And the exactly. circumstances have to be good. Absolutely. So you're trying to consider Absolutely. all these three things. Yes. And, if, uh, you know, if any bit of that is wrong, then the action <laughs> is actually far from perfect. It might be, sure. might be very far from perfect if the basic choice you're making is a wrong one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think an important thing, actually, that, 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 that we, you mentioned there is kind of the difference, I suppose, between opinion and kind of, you know, having an informed conscience and kind of being open to that, that inner voice, listening, to, making space for God. And sometimes I suppose we can be um, in a situation where, you know, where you might express um, a view that can be seen as being judgmental because it's, it's seen as being an opinion more than, you know, anything else. And that can, cause, that can be challenging, I suppose, in, in many respects. Yeah, I think the thing about judgmental is one that we should reflect on a bit because... Um, the one thing when any discussions take place about social issues and everything, one thing people say is you mustn't be judgmental. Mm. Mm. And they often quote Pope Francis. Pope Francis is supposed to have said, who am I to judge? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, that's not quite what he said. Mm. He said, if a person is gay and is doing their best and is seeking God and so on, who am I to judge that person? Mm. And I think it's a very important distinction between judging an action and judging a person. Mm. Because judging a person is something we can't do. Well, no, only God can judge a person. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But we can judge an action. In other words, we can say, let's say, um, I don't care how sincere you are, um, that thing that you've taken belongs to me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I want it back. Mm-hmm. You've, you've wronged me by taking it. So, uh, you know, of course we can be judgmental about actions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
But we can't, you must never be judgmental about a person. Mm, mm. Perfect example in the gospel, by the way, of the person who was judgmental about a person was the Pharisee. Yes. He said, thanks be to God, I'm not like that fellow at the back of the room. <laughs> and we, we often do that. There's a bit of that in all of us, isn't yes. there? Yes, we there often really make is. our judgment by comparison with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And we say, you know, maybe I'm not perfect, but I'm a heck of a lot better than that fellow mm-hmm. over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's, that's fatal. I mean, that's, that's a complete distortion of what conscience is about. Mm-hmm. We've spoken about actions, I suppose, and, and judging actions. And I suppose one way, one question I suppose people might ask would be, you know, when you're looking at, you're, you're in, you could be in a situation which is difficult, and I suppose the question is, can someone be compelled to do something that is against, you know, their conscience, if you like? If you've, you know, if you've discerned something, if you've prayed about something, you know, and can you still be called upon to act against what you believe in the, your innermost depth? I think it's almost impossible to justify that. Mm-hmm. But you could get somebody, and that's another thing we might come back to, but you could get somebody who has convinced himself, let's say, that he's entitled to do something or other, which in fact is a violation of somebody else's rights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it might be that the person has to be you know, kind of forced to give up something, let's say, that he wants to keep mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it doesn't belong to him. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you have to make that kind of distinction. Um, the other thing I was going to say about conscience is that conscience can be manipulated, especially by the person, him or herself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when we say we're trying to make up our conscience, what we're actually doing is looking for reasons to do the thing that we really want to do. Yeah. Uh, so we can be fooling ourselves. Mm. Yeah, yeah I, I read somewhere that the first school of conscience or, or checking what conscience is, is self-criticism. Mm. That we, we kind of look at what we want to do first and then go, exactly. hmm, where does my conscience lie with this? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then we kind of look, look to yeah. other means. Which brings us to the point about informing our conscience. Mm. Can a conscience be informed, or, or how do we go about informing a conscience? Well, I think we do the best we can. Uh, you know, if, if, uh, you're always a bit sceptical about somebody who's so sure that he's right that he doesn't have to listen anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the conscience, forming conscience is an ongoing thing. Mm-hmm. But we form our conscience maybe first of all by saying, am I judging this in a way that suits me mm-hmm. or with the group to which I belong? Am I coming to the conclusion I really want to come to? Or am I honestly looking at this? Am I looking at the kind of um, advice I should be getting? Am I looking at examining the the thing from other people's points of view as well as mine and so on? Mm -hmm. Those are the kind of questions I think we have to ask ourselves. Mm -hmm. Is this an honest judgment? Mm -hmm. Because I think it was Blessed Cardinal Newman that said... um, to listen to one's conscience is to search for the truth. Yes. And to search for the truth really is to search for God ultimately. Exactly. exactly. I think that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think it, it, is, it is a search. Mm-hmm. And uh, if, if we're not honestly searching, then we're probably fooling ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then what about the freedom of conscience? It's kind of something that's bandied around quite a lot. Yes. But what does that mean? What does freedom of conscience mean? Well, it means, first of all, I think that people should not, um, except in very certain circumstances, as I was saying earlier on, should not be forced to do something they believe is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a lot of areas that that comes up in, I mean, where where people are pressurised by their, their boss or something, mm-hmm. or indeed where politicians are pressurised by the party whip to do something that they, they don't believe is right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in the case of politicians, that's a very dangerous thing because does it actually lead people to believe that the politicians, the politicians don't necessarily behave with integrity? Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the problem with people in politics nowadays. They, they see a kind of a system mm-hmm. according to which people have to vote a particular way. And you have to be very brave then to stand yeah, up exactly. and, and to yeah. kind of act according to one's conscience. Exactly. So I think I think we should be very careful of even of situations, certainly of situations of people being forced to do what they don't believe in. Mm-hmm. But even even people being forced to do things that they're just not happy about, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, one of the things I just I suppose that just struck me there was we, we were talking yeah. about you know creating a space for each individual to 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 dis- to discern how to judge an action that you know that, that themselves and i suppose the question would be you know where can they look if you like to see or to seek guidance on kind of informing that conscience you know where where because sometimes i suppose people would say it's very much well it's me and god you know that kind of a way or it's, it, and it's, it, it goes back to that whole point we were saying that is it my informed conscience or is it my informed opinion? And hmm. the difference between the two. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I think, that, you know, they're actually, actually making a decision. We need to look at, one of the things perhaps nowadays is that there's a kind of a tendency not to look back at our history, mm-hmm. at what formed us, at what our traditions are. Mm-hmm. Traditions are really the wisdom of all the people that went before us and faced problems like the ones we face may be different in some ways, but sometimes in some ways the same. And for somebody to say, I, I don't need to listen to any of that, it, it's, quite, it's quite arrogant, really. Mm-hmm. And there is a sense of that now in, in modern society, I think, of saying, well, the past is the past, and we're moving into a wonderful new suit, future, and we don't need to bother with those things at all. But I think that's very foolish. So I think the first thing is that we listen to our own traditions, mm-hmm. our own backgrounds, what we've learned from parents and grandparents and those who went before them and so on. So it, it, that's maybe where you start. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, one of, the, one of the, the traditions we belong to is the Christian tradition, the, the church. So that's, that's a place that we listen to. We also listen to people who are experts in a particular field. Mm-hmm. When there's a complicated decision to be made in economics and so on, I mean, the immediate decision that I might make might be disastrous mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I don't really understand how finance works, and you know, on a kind of an international level. Let's say, does anybody? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that is a fair point. Does anyone understand? It's interesting, you know. Um, I suppose when you, we talk about informing ourselves and, and, and looking to the tradition, there is, I suppose, a tendency maybe to have an assumption that. Humanity is always progressing to the better. That, you know, when we look back, everything in the past is always wrong. Um, and it's always something, you know, they, they're, they're, there's nothing there of value to be learned. But I suppose, you know, the, the other side of that is that that, that that saying that you'd come across is a person that is ignorant of the history is bound to repeat the mistakes of the past. Precisely. You know, and it's just that we should be conscious of that in many respects, that you know, particularly when we look around and the decisions that we make in the world today, people have a tendency to ignore the church's teaching because it's cool to ignore the church at the mm, moment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, uh, and, but at that same time, the church has a 2,000-year-old tradition, and she has considered human nature for 2,000 years, if you like, and has a lot to offer in some respects. 
Um, you know, I found it interesting during the week. I came across an interesting speech that was made in the U.S., and it was a commencement address to uni- the U- Liberty University, and it came oh, from yes, the yeah. most un- unexpected source. <laughs> um, <laughs> the person that gave it was actually Jeb Bush, and uh, he's the son of George Bush. Now, not exactly someone you would have been promoting in terms of, you know, Christian Christian view. But one of the things he was he was saying is he was quoting Chesterton, and you know, he was saying these are the days, as Chesterton remarked, in which Christians are expected to praise every faith but their own. <laughs> And it's almost like a case of, you know, when we're talking about conscience and we're talking about discerning our conscience, that in some ways we're encouraged to look to every other, if you like, view or ideology or outlook on life and expect to accept it as gospel, you know, and kind of, in some respects, to ignore anything of value that the church might have to offer. Yeah. You see, I think one of the things the church has to offer is that it begins by asking a question that isn't asked at all in modern politics or economics. What is a human being? Mm -hmm. What is human life for? Mm -hmm. And I I think if you don't ask those questions, then then you're you're paddling around on the surface. You're not getting into the depth of anything. Mm -hmm. So that's that's really important. I I was thinking when you were talking about the assumption that everything had improved, a, a phrase that Cardinal Connolly often used to use. He said, not all improvements are for the better. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I love that quote. But consciences is very much tied up with dignity, about human dignity, exactly, isn't it? Exactly. And I came across a quote from St. John the Twenty Third, and he said, to do violence to people's conscience means to harm them seriously, to deal an extremely painful blow to their dignity. In a certain sense, it is worse than killing them. Powerful yeah. to make that's people act against their conscience. I think that's that's right, and I think that there is a sort of a thing. I mean, if you want to go back into history, there is mm-hmm. a kind of people would say that the whole Enlightenment and the French Revolution and all the rest of it began talking about liberty mm-hmm. and all that. Liberty mm-hmm. was the thing, mm-hmm. but then they discovered that lots of people didn't really understand what they needed to do in order to be free, so they made them mm-hmm. and didn't see the contradiction. And there is a sense of that that a kind of a, an elite that thinks it knows what everybody should be doing. Sure. Which is the opposite of democracy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, you know, when we talk about, you know, infringing on a person's conscience and, and the dignity of how that impacts on human dignity, I suppose sometimes, you know, it's in, in the society that we're in, to hold, where you have listened to your conscience and your, your gut and your instinct and your very being is telling you, well, actually, I don't agree with what, you know, someone is saying or what seems to be the general consensus. And sometimes it requires a maybe a little courage, you know, to be able to hold to that and not to give, not, not, not to give in, that's not the word I would use, mm-hmm. but maybe to be cowed into going with the more general um, feeling of the moment, if you like. I think that's a real danger. Um, because, because democracy is really about people freely ex- exchanging ideas and mm-hmm. so on. And mm-hmm. there is a real danger that that becomes, at the very least, unpopular and maybe unprofitable. And I think that's a very dangerous thing. I think there is one distinction that needs to be made here, though. There's a distinction between forcing somebody to do something that he or she believes to be wrong. Mm-hmm. That's, that's one fairly basic right. The other is less clear-cut. And that's allowing somebody to do something that he or she feels they should be allowed to do. Mm. Now, it's, quite, it's much easier in that case to see where that could be actually conflicting with other people's interests. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
and that it might be justified in saying, well, you might think that you should be allowed to do this, but, you know, society doesn't think you should. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, the, the thing with that, of course, is that actually, if you like, can also work both ways. While you might feel that you're in a position where you... Uh, you know, you you might you don't want to do something. Then it, it also works the other side of it as well. You know, the, you could you could find yourself you're in the majority if you like, hmm. and th- there's a person that is, is in kind of the minority view. So it, it's a balancing act sometimes between how people you know in in society how we interpret that. Yeah, I, I think it comes though it comes back to some kind of openness to really hearing where another people another person is coming from. Absolutely. And I, I think we, we probably don't have that kind of sensitivity to the degree that we have. Mm-hmm. Because unless you do that, uh, then you're not going to be able to make a reasonable judgment about the kind of case you're talking about. Mm-hmm. If you do understand where the person is coming from, A, you may be able to show them why they're, they're, they're mistaken. Or, or B, you might react to them quite differently from, you know, than you would if you hadn't understood where they were, okay. what they were what about. Is- but it's, it's that whole space for dialogue and the type of dialogue sometimes that we don't seem to be able to have sometimes. You know, as, um, I, I work with many people from, from different nationalities and one person has observed to me how Ireland seems to be a place of extremes in terms of go, going from one to the other in terms of social views and she just, she just found it very interesting. And I think that's, that's kind of part of it as well. We're very, if you go down to our Celtic temperament, that, you know, we, we, we embrace a view kind of wholeheartedly one way or the other. Uh, and sometimes it's, it's kind of hard to see a balance, a via media in kind of in how we, we view things. But maybe that it again goes back to something about our, where, what, are, what are our answers to the deep questions? Mm. Have we got answers to them? I, think I love the thing that Frank Shee, the Australian author, said one time about education. He said, if, if you say education is about preparing people for life. Mm. Now, he said, if you write to your Department of Education and say, please tell me, you're, you're preparing people for life. Please tell me, what is a person? Mm-hmm. And the Department of Education say, well, this is a liberal democracy and there are hundreds of different views about that. We can't say that. Oh, I says, yeah, and, and what is human life for? Mm. And I say, well, same answer. Yeah. Mm. And he says, you think you can educate people and you don't know, you prepare people for life and you don't know what a person is or what life is for? Mm. And he said, he said, and the interesting thing he said was, that's extremely odd, but the really frightening thing is that we don't see how odd it is. <laughs> And it's true. It's true because we we don't teach people how to think anymore. We don't teach philosophy. We don't teach kind of the deeper questions. We we tend to teach people how to learn stuff off or how to do formulae, but not how to think. Yeah, you see, and that is and that is the thing that you maybe maybe Celts tend to emote <laughs> more than to think. Mm-hmm. Now, emotion is very important. You know, I mean, your 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 emotion, your revulsion to something might well say to you, "I think you better think again about this." Mm-hmm. But but on the other hand, I mean, you you better think about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's also, I suppose, a, a, a danger as well that. You know, when sometimes people, when when in that in that when you're trying to have that dialogue about what is the meaning of life or why are we here, what what is it to be human, and sometimes you know that requires that we have to make, if you like, moral judgments, and but to do that, people turn around and say, oh, you're being judgmental, you're being, you're you know, you're you're being, uh, what's what's the word I'm trying to say, you're being kind of dictatorial in many respects to be, you know, and it's 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 it's. 
it just seems like that it's kind of a free for all at the moment for people. That you know, there, there doesn't seem to be a space or an openness or a willingness to be able to say, well, you know, maybe that is actually something as a society we shouldn't approve of. Yeah, you see, I, I think there are a number of things. One thing that was striking me when you were talking is that the, re- the thing about Pope Francis is that he recognizes the dignity of every human being, whatever they're doing, mm-hmm. whatever their history, whatever, the, you know, that the first thing is the dignity of each human being. And we have to learn to disagree in a way that recognizes that. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, tolerance can't mean that I have to agree with everybody else. I mean, if I agree with everybody else, I'm just incoherent. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't mean I must agree. It means that I must respect their search for the truth. Mm-hmm. And I must treat it with, with, with reverence. Mm. But that doesn't mean I have to agree with them. And, and I think that there is, sometimes in our discussions you can see that happening. There's a kind of a feeling, if you don't agree with me, you're not respecting me, you're not listening to me, that doesn't follow. Democracy works by, by those disagreements being shared and understood, and some kind of growth can happen out of them, some kind of wisdom can grow out of them. Mm-hmm. I, suppose one of, one of the, I suppose one of the challenges, particularly you know, when we're looking at the traditions that informs moral conscience and conscience and our own consciences and we talk about the role of faith and you know the christian and the catholic tradition is that some people will turn around and say well you know it's a bit rich for the church to be preaching about moral conscience and freedom of conscience considering you only recognize it at the second vatican council in some respects as a ch- as an institution and i you know of course you know in many respects that's not a fair assessment but that can be one of the you know the 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 the, the attacks that's made and when you're participating in a debate and something like this. Yeah, well, I mean, in theory, anyway, I mean, I think the Church always recognised the dignity of conscience and Thomas mm-hmm. Aquinas says you have to act in accordance with your conscience. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, Cardinal Ratzinger, before we were both, wrote a very interesting article about the, you know, that we must obey our conscience. Mm-hmm. But also saying, how, as we were saying at the beginning, how that's a very com- complicated process to arrive at an, a really honest, objective judgment. Okay. Um, I think, if it's okay, John, time-wise, we might uh, move to the next um, piece of music. But before we do that, I suppose, Mario, just to, I suppose, round up the conversation, you know, we've, we've explored what conscience is, what it means to have an informed conscience, how conscience should be... Ex- constantly, you know, developed and expanded and challenged amongst, in ourselves, and how we need to create that space both, you know, individually and as a community, you know, to be able to dialogue with ourselves, within ourselves and between ourselves, so that all kind of um, views should be taken into account, challenged if needs be, but also ultimately that when we come to make a decision, that we can have the dignity to that as an individual, and also, you know, that it, 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 each person can do it and participate in the community and the society that they live in. Yeah, well, I think that's true. I mean, I, I think, on, you know, unless we're open to everybody else, we're not going to come to wise decisions. Mm-hmm. But that, it's, not, it's, not, it's not easy. And, and I think the more we get into the kind of thing you mentioned earlier about extremes kind of, you know, yelling at one another, mm-hmm. the less that that happens. Mm-hmm. And, and you know you, you 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 develop into a thing where almost you're 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 it's about winning an argument rather than about seeking the truth. Exactly. And they're, they're, you know they're two very different things. Mm-hmm.
Uh, you find it not just in the political area. You find it even in kind of discussions in communities and so on. Mm-hmm. Somebody goes into the annual general meeting and all they want to do is get their particular way through, not to listen to what anyone else has to say. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Mm. All right, John. I think uh, if we have, if we, if we, if we kind of leave the topic there, I think Bishop Donald has given us a lot of food for thought this morning. Perfect. As, 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 as a community, we, we face many decisions all the time, but particularly around this time. And uh, just with that, I suppose maybe we just let people to pause and just reflect and to think about what was said. And uh, we have our, our next piece of music. Our next piece of music. And it just so happens, um, as usual, the Holy Spirit's in complete control of this program because the, the piece of music they've got lined up after speaking about conscience and so on and so forth is from the Emmanuel community from the album Rejoice and this one is The Lord is My Light so let's hear this
Sacred Space.